Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Deal with Danny Brown. I have a special guest, one of my best friends, longtime, lifelong friends, Jay Skywalker. Jay Walker, he's had a career in the NFL with the New England Patriots and the Vikings. I grew up with him at Rancho Park, Chevy Hills, played sports together through high school, went to school. Uh, he ended up being a superstar at Howard University, won the national championship with the player, college player of the year. Again, played some football and then pivoted after football uh, to a great career in politics. He's uh, worked for the House of Delegates back down in uh, Maryland near D.C. for 14 years. He's also an ESPN sports analyst, both for college baseball and college football. This is a busy guy. Got a great family, Monique, his wife, his three kids. I love Jay, and I hope you enjoy our conversation, get into a lot of personal stuff. But hopefully you'll enjoy a little taste of our background and uh, tune in. You can always find Jay at jwalker5101 on Instagram or jwalker on Facebook. Uh, Jay Skywalker, you can Google him, get his info. Hope you enjoy the episode. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Danny Brown with The Deal. I have a special guest here today, one of my longest, old-time best friends, Jay Walker. What's up, Jay? How you doing, man? All the way from D.C.? D.B., what's going on, tight end, man? Good to see you. I finally made it. I'm on the deal. I've done a lot made of it. life, but if I make it on the deal after seeing all the other guests you got there, I guess I'm doing all right for a sick one. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to help my ratings, especially on the East Coast, so... Hopefully you'll pick him up. But for uh, people that don't know, Jay Walker, I don't even know where to start. Jay Walker and I went to elementary school together, high school together, played sports together. Uh, we've been friends for 40 years, uh, plus or minus. Sorry to age us. But uh, Jay, you're one of the greatest guys I've known. I don't know where to start except sometime in the 80s at Cheviot Hills Park, you and I <laughs> won a championship, one of our first championships together. And I don't know, that was pretty awesome on the Chargers. We could start with that. Hey, give it up for uh, for Steve Moss, man. You Coach know, Steve Moss. Coach man. Steve Moss, man. He was he was on us. He stayed on us way back then. He was ahead of his time. We had a serious West Coast offense in football. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're like we're like in like third or fourth grade. He's telling us not to stay out past curfew. <laughs> yeah, curfew is. You know, don't don't eat hamburgers and all this other stuff, man. Moss was great, man. Uh, over at Chevy, you know, the Chevy Hill days. Those are some great days, man. Now, during that intro, you know, you talk about how long we've known each other. It's like, I think I might have been there, like, when you kissed your first girl. That game was <laughs> I think you definitely were there. Yeah. So, <laughs> look a little nervous, Dan. This I'm is a family got show, better. Jay. We're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> it's been the bottle. So we've known each other a long time, Jay, and I, I'm going to just kind of go back. You've uh, had a long-storied athletic career that you pivoted into a business career and a sports analyst at ESPN and a political career. You live in DC. You have a beautiful family, beautiful wife, Monique. You definitely outpunted your coverage with Monique, but now you've got three <laughs> beautiful children. Your daughters are, are athletes. Your son's an athlete. Everyone's doing well, but where do we start this story? I mean, you grew up in LA. Why don't we just start with, Hey, you grew up in LA. Uh, I've known your parents my whole life as well. Your dad is sort yeah. of an iconic uh, legendary guy in LA and, was always around all our games, but why don't you start with growing up in LA and sort of how you got into sports and how that became sort of a huge part of shaping who you are. Yeah, man. You know, I, I rarely sit back and smell the roses. I just always say about some, I try to like when you play pro ball, like one of the things you rarely do is smell the roses because you're so competitive and you're always competing and you want to know what's next and how you're going to get sure. better. 
But, you know, since I've gotten out of sports per se, it's like I go back and just reminisce and I take, I don't take anything for granted. You know, my job at ESPN, I don't take it for granted. So saying that, like I go back to LA, man, it's like you, you start, obviously, I mean, Chevy Hills meant a lot to me, you know, like, and it was different for me because, you know, you guys were on the West side and, you know, I lived on the West side of town for the, for the black folks, you know, yeah. right over like Crenshaw, but it wasn't like Westwood. Like you guys were living Westwood. You were at the, the Shaw. So it was kind of a, it was, it was different because like I would catch the bus or get dropped off having to drive, you know, 40 minutes to get to Chevy. And then when I got there, that's why I believe like, you know, racism is taught. I mean, we were all boys, you know, we were yeah. all, I think, you know, I probably didn't know the difference between black and white. So maybe second grade, maybe, which is a lot different than my friends. And and then when growing up in LA, it's like, you know, I'm coming from Crenshaw part of town and you guys are coming from the West side. And, and then I'm meeting Jewish people and I'm meeting Persian folks and yeah. all that. And then sports was like the one thing that brought us all together. I right. Mean, it really did. It's like uh, when I played football, I was fortunate enough to be a quarterback and we played together on the chargers. We were just having fun. And then when yeah. baseball, you know, the only thing that got to me a little bit is like the numbers were going down. I, I continually became, I started out like five brothers on the baseball team. Then it got to, <laughs> then it got to two, but you guys were all my boys, you know, then basketball. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, if I look at the Jay Walker story, I tell everybody like growing up in LA had so much to do with it. Cause I came across so many people. I mean, I came across some of the richest people I'm going to meet in my lifetime. Some of the poorest people, uh, gang bangers, drug dealers, uh, attorneys, doctors. It was yeah. a mix. Partner, everything in between you know having to survive i mean we went to uni dan i mean uni's like the only school in america i think of like <laughs> i got to get a perfect score on the sat and also have like a notorious gangbanger going to school yeah <laughs> yeah it was a pretty diverse student yeah. population at uni high it, it was it was you could be I whatever you to wanted to be I try to explain that to Jessica and I say, they don't get it. They don't get it. But it was a big part of what shaped me as well. It's uh, both things. So, you know, we had kids coming in from all over all areas, Watts, East LA, every yeah. ethnicity, every background. Uh, you were coming in from Gramercy place, man. You were living large on Gramercy place. Your dad yeah. was always at our games. I mean, your dad was a character. Your mom's such a great lady. Uh, you know, so tell me about how your parents, you had a two parent household that, probably had a huge influence on you as well. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, and it, it was different because, I mean, a lot of people didn't know, like, you know, I think my mom and dad separated when they were like, when I was like third grade, but I always tell my friends that like, if you and the mom don't get along, you got to make sure that you're always there for your son. I didn't even yeah. know the divorce until I got to seventh grade. My dad was, <laughs> you know that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that either. I'm always there. <laughs> So that's, that's what kept me, you know, kept me going. But my dad, you know, my dad, he was a ball player too. He was tall, you know, bigger than me. Uh, he played some minor league baseball, but you know, for him, he was like that business acumen. He, he yeah. always around. And, you know, what I miss most is like every Saturday, no matter what game we played on Friday, whether it's baseball or basketball or football, he would always come pick me up a Saturday morning at like nine o'clock in the morning and just make me drive around the city with him. So yeah. if I out, partying with the boys too much. Hey, Saturday, I was going to get up. And if you spent the night at my house, like Richard, Tally, and Ed and everybody else, you were going on that drive. And we would literally drive from, from like Beverly Hills. So where we had a lot of friends and his clients and he sold cars to all the way down to, to Carson yeah. I mean, all day. And it's like, I hated it, Dan. I hated it. But man, you know how much I would pay for one more ride with my pops? I'm sure. Life lesson. 
in the life car. Life wisdom, business, oh, that. Yeah, he taught me on jazz. I had to listen to jazz because you know I want to listen to hip hop. He's <laughs> stuff off, <laughs> and he put on some Duke Ellington, Count Basie, and yeah. now myself doing the same thing like with my kids, especially you know my son. Like we're driving to all these travel tournaments for lacrosse and basketball. It's like right. Appreciate more that that three hour drive to get there. Just kicking wisdom to him and little nuggets I've been handed in life to give it to him and hopefully he'll take some of it. Yeah, you're passing it down. Well, shout out to Richard Talley and Ed Neely and those guys. <laughs> I haven't seen them in a while. I love hearing those names. Fun. Oh man, cold, cold cash money crew, man. You know, cold cash money crew. That's right. I so, almost been honorary cold cash, Dan. You know, you, you like you like to hang with the fellas. Yeah, I love I love hanging with the brothers. You know that. So <laughs> let me fast forward a little bit. You know, you were like a park superstar at Chevin Hills Rancho Park. We ended up going to high school together at Uni High, which at the time, not now, but at the time was a sports powerhouse. We ended up playing baseball and football together. So we were together year round all the time. Uh, you know, but the, the story I, that I was going to tell is it always seemed to be that football was your primary sport in high school and baseball. You played, I, I don't know, it seemed like just because you were good. And you had a lot of friends on the team. And it was like, all right, I'm just going to just play and, and mess around. But then you ended up messing around and getting drafted by the Angels at high school. So I was like, what? This guy's yeah. a quarterback. What is it? And then you went. And so tell me what happened in high school. You got you were, a, you were a superstar quarterback and a solid high school pitcher. Were you throwing mid-80s in high school without even practicing? Uh, yeah. yeah, probably that. Yeah, it was, it was weird. I went to uni. You know, because the school I was supposed to go to was, uh, was Crenshaw. So I lived in Crenshaw High School District. And so uh, Frank Cruz was, like, stopping, convincing my dad. Our baseball coach there was convincing yeah. my dad. Let him go to uni. My dad was definitely like, yeah, he ain't no Crenshaw kid now. It's too yeah. late. Uh, so I went to uni for baseball. And um, then I'll tell you, I never played tackle football in my life. Never played tackle football in my life. and uh, But I always played, you know, quarterback at the flag league and yeah. stuff. And so I came to uni, and the only reason I went out for the football team, because they had cheerleaders. <laughs> they had cheerleaders. Uh, baseball didn't have cheerleaders, and I, I knew I could throw, I could play, and, you know, I, I like basketball a lot. So I figured I was going to play basketball and, and baseball in high school. And then, lo and behold, I go out there, and, like, I'm throwing the quarterback on the on the B team and seeing your big brother, Damon. That that, yeah. that was great. And, uh, and then once – once that football got in me, I like got hooked on. It was like, yeah, ball just went by the back. I mean, I my senior year, I, I told Coach Cruz like, man, I'm not even gonna play baseball. And he was like, <laughs> I was like, man, you know, I'm getting this football scholarship. I'm trying to lock down football. And, you know, that didn't go well with Cruz. And yeah, yeah, you know, he, he kind of forced me to play. I'm glad he did because I, I played. And, uh, I, my number was called. I think I had a decent year. I was seven and two, maybe. We played competitive baseball. Yeah, yeah. West Side Defending City Champs, and uh, you know, Lobo uh, got drafted. And uh, it was one of those things where, like, okay, and I started knowing I was getting drafted, so I was like, okay, well, the boy from Crenshaw about to get drafted, get a little money in my pocket, uh, not so bad. And my mom was so big on go to college, go to college, you want the football, right. and then Angels said, like, oh, we're gonna pay you this, and we're gonna pay for college. She was like, well, I think it's time for you to go pro, <laughs> so yeah, played uh, minor league baseball. Yeah, so you played a little minor league baseball, but football was calling you. Uh, so you played for the yeah. Angels for a little bit. And then yeah. uh, it's so funny because we crossed paths so many times. It had some similarities. You yeah. ended up going to uh, to Long Beach. 
Yeah, and you were down States, there. And I was in Irvine. In Irvine, UC Irvine. So, yeah. Right, so we would socialize and meet up and have a, and interesting enough, both of us had our Title IX and schools dropped the sports programs. So you yeah. go to Long Beach, <laughs> Title IX happens, you have to transfer, you end up going to, uh, what was it, Pasadena for a year? No, no, it's actually, a, what happened, when I played baseball, like after I played baseball, I came home and like didn't have anything to do. So I was sitting around the house and Richard Talley, my best friend, he was going yeah. back. And I just went out there and was like, all right, well, you know, I'm not allowed to play football anymore because I'm playing baseball. And the team was good, but they just didn't have a quarterback. And I'm like, yeah. man, let me sneak out here. Who's going to see me playing football at Pasadena City College? And Danny, I go there and I, that's when I realized, like, I was really good in football. Like, yeah. I, I'm like junior college, All-American. We're beating El Camino, the number one team in the country. And right. And all these letters from my like University of Tennessee and UCLA. Major, major recruit. Different. I'm like, wow, okay. And then I got to leave. As soon as the season is over, I go to training camp. For baseball. With the Angels. And then like, Bill Bavese, you know, a legendary GM over there. He's like, he calls me over there and he's like, Jay, you're a really good football player. I said, oh, I stopped playing football. He's like, no, no, I came to the game at El Camino. You're <laughs> really and I'm like, uh-oh. And he's telling me you know we can take this money back. You violated your contract. And I'm like, what? And he said, you really want to play football, don't you? And I was like, yeah. And he just said, I'll make you a deal. I'll let you go. But if you ever come back to baseball, angels get you, period. Yeah. We'll go to court and all this other stuff. And so I said, cool. And then I, I leave. I get the free pass to go come back. And Pasadena's like, yeah. they're like, you just left. So I ended up having to go to Long Beach State. Uh, Coach Allen had recruited me a lot and a family friend. So yeah. I go. Be state and I'm ready to be the starting quarterback and competing. And then I would, you know, I would battle for the starting job. Mike McCoy, you remember Mike McCoy? He ended up being the name. Chargers. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a Chargers head coach, and uh, we had a battle for the quarterback spot. But uh, and then when Long Beach drops, uh, I go to Howard, and I think when Long Beach drops, I go to Howard. My life just really changes. Everything changed. So now we're getting to the good stuff. So you end up at Howard. Uh, you end up being the college player of the year, undefeated, <laughs> legendary. The name Skywalker is born. <laughs> yeah. Mayor of D.C. Tell me a little bit about some of your best memories. I know you uh, played against the legendary Steve McNair from the, uh, yeah. the conference championship with Nashville, and you ended up outplaying him. Air McNair, yeah. yeah. Air McNair well, yeah. and Skywalker. Yeah, when I took my recruiting trip um, – I took my recruit trip to Howard and I saw how I just fell in love with the place. It was just phenomenal. And uh, I told the coach, like he put in some tape of the previous year where they played Alcorn State. And I said, man, if I could come here, the only reason I'm going to come here is if you give me an opportunity to play against that guy. And he, <laughs> good. he was that good. And I was just that cocky. You know yeah. that. So I said, if, if I put you put him on the field with me, he's not going to play. I've, I've never been outplayed by another quarterback. Might have lost some games, but I could handle that. And so, uh, Lo and behold, I get to Howard, and uh, the guy's picking me up from the airport, one of the assistant coaches, Ron Springs, he said, did you say you wanted to play Aaron McNair? And I'm like, yeah. He said, well, damn it. I said, I didn't want to see that guy until I was watching him on TV in the NFL. Now <laughs> I see him next year because you want to play him. Well, you beat him. And that was always my motivation. Like, Got to beat him. He was Aaron McNair. And then my first game at Howard, my first home game, I threw six touchdowns in the first half. Nice. Skywalker. And then it became Sky versus Air. And uh, we played him, and it was a shootout. I think we jumped up 38-6 on him. He came back because I hurt my wrist, and he, he's coming back. And I'm like, my goodness. And we beat him by three. And then uh, the yeah. next year, we do it again. So it's like, 
they, they create a classic. They actually want me and McNair to play in St. Louis, neutral site for this gateway classic. Yeah. Sell out, and it's uh, the two, you know, I remember George Michael did a special saying the two best quarterbacks may be from HBCUs, and, and uh, we beat them again. But I, yeah. I was one about awesome. that one was I hurt my – I sprained my ankle the week before, and I'm, I'm doing rehab. And then they're like, he's not going to be able to play. And I'm like, I'm not missing this game. This yeah. New year, I'm trying to go to the league. Yeah. Staying out. And so we get off the, the plane, and they're like, oh, well, BET wants to do an interview with you guys. And so I'm like, okay, I'm big time. You know, I've got my suit on. <laughs> BET, baby. Sports information. We get in the limo, and we're at the limo. And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for this. As I'm ready, we get to a red light. And I'm like, okay. And the light turns green, and, like, the limo doesn't leave. And I'm like, hey, you know, what time do we have to be there? They're like, oh, well, we got to wait. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then I look to my right, and then here comes Steve McNair in his SID. And, like, I'm ready to go to war, you know? And they got a <laughs> both ride and a limo together. It's only a five-minute ride, and he's got his SID there, my sports information. And Dan, the whole time I'm telling you, I'm like this, man. I mean, I'm not saying two words to him, right? I'm, you have your I'm, game face on already. <laughs> yeah, like this is a setup. And he was kind of used to it. And um, and I was like, I'm not moving my seat. I had the best seat. So we get to the, uh, we get to the TV station. And Dan, I want to tell you, man, I went in. I mean, all those years of, of hanging with, with Crip Daddy Millar, hanging with Fat Ed Neely, with Dirty Dave McCoy, all the banging that we used to do back in the day and the, the <laughs> talking, I mean, it came out. I mean, yeah. I said everything. I was watching Muhammad Ali at that time. I mean, I think I said, like, we're so different. They asked, what's the style of play? And I'm like, we're way different. I'm like, I'm light-skinned. He's brown-skinned. I'm city. He country. <laughs> he rural. I'm like, you know, they're, they're, they're all corn. I'm Howard. I'm going in. And you know what? He never forgave me for that. Never forgave me. And it was like, we're in the NFL. He's still carrying a little chip on his shoulder. He was pissed. <laughs> and it wasn't until after he got out of the league that, uh, he came up here and a couple of our buddies put us together. And in order to get right, he was like, only if you drink with me. And when I tell you he tried to drink me under the dang table, well, oh. he drank me under the table. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a big guy. He got guy cool after that. that. After that, it was all cool. It, it was love. But uh, Long story, but I, uh, that was an Aaron Skywalker. Uh, yeah. Well, congratulations. I was at a oh, few years. Oh, and here's what counts, Dan. Here's what counts. See, I brought this for you. See, this is what he was mad at. So. Uh. Is that the player of the year? This was this was the 1993 FCS Sports Illustrated One AA Player of the Year. There you go. <laughs> he doesn't. Have he got it in '94, but he wasn't getting it in '93. So <laughs> it, it was it, it was worth it. Rest in peace, Steve. That's my rest brother. in peace, man. A legend. I also just wanted to say congratulations because you're uh, you made the Black College Hall of Fame. Was that last year or two year? A couple years ago. So uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, me, me at me at Hall of Fame and. Uh, yeah. Howard Hall of Fame, uh, still trying to get to that Black College Hall of Fame. That's that's a list. Those are the dudes. Uh, I think I'll get there one day. But, yeah. You know, yeah. So anyway, like, you had a storied, storied college career. You get drafted by the New England Patriots. You go to the league. Yeah. So you played for New England. You played for Minnesota. Uh, that's yeah. about the time you got married. I remember we went to your wedding. You played also yeah. in Europe because it was NFL <laughs> Europe. Um, so that was soon after that, after yeah, your sports what do you got? I got more gifts for you. This, this is proof that Danny Brown was at my wedding. There it is. Was that, 93? Can you see who's in the picture there? That's Josh Woods, Dave Meeser. And <laughs> Josh Woods, me and you. So we go way back, receiver. folks. That's why I was like, that's why I was like, Danny Brown was my boy. You're a real one. That's why I'm I'm doing the show. Well, you gotta admit, I want to know who was your favorite receiver and best receiver all the way through NFL. 
You were uh, oh woo put me on the spot. Can I can I say my high school receiver played against? You were what? You had that stretch where you had what four games, four straight touchdowns for tight ends Something like that. I think it was six. You were rolling, yeah. And then from Chevy, I mean, whatever we were, we always found a way to connect. We, we did. There was a lot of touchdowns in our past. Yeah, so, I mean, to be, and I'll tell you what everybody should say, Dan. I mean, to be a white dude, you were a really good athlete. Oh, That's thank you. Say, be a white dude. Like you, yeah, you and you and uh, you weren't the best Jewish athlete. Now the guy was really good. A kicker from uh, not a kicker from Palisades. Uh, real fast dude, played baseball. Oh, Jay, um, yeah, uh, Hamilton. No, from uh, no, from Pally, Larry Israel. Larry. Oh, Larry Israel, another yeah. great. <laughs> he can roll. He's fast. <laughs> yeah. He is fast. So anyway, you had a good good NFL career, and then the 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 life after football, which we can get into now. You transitioned into business. You had Walker Financial, a big financial firm that you've ran, but you also have pivoted and done uh, ESPN sports analyst and a career in politics. Are you running for president, Jay? What's going on? Your house. <laughs> tell me how you got into politics, and you know, I tell me a little bit about life and politics, and where that, what that looks like now. Yeah, it's a well, it's changed a whole lot, but um, I, I would say for me, it was you know, having played in the NFL, and I played for Bill Parcells, I played for Denny Green, my quarterback coach was Brian Billick, legendary coaches. So I started a, I started a football camp. You know, yes, was, I remember it was a, a free football camp in a Skywalker Fight School is what we called it. And it, that camp like grew. And I remember, you know, having politicians come on out. And so a couple of the local state senators came out. Our county exec came out at the time. And, you know, I would invite them to speak to these kids. So our camp grew from like 35 kids to like 150 kids with a waiting list. So we would house, give them free dorm, homework assignments, SAT prep. You know, all these pros would come out and, and college coaches. So. But whenever the politicians would come, they would talk right over the head of the kids. Like the kids were getting nothing out of them. You know, as a football player, you know, if somebody's got your attention, you can tell. And they just weren't having their attention. And one of the guys kind of challenged me. He said, Jay, you know what? You got these kids' attention. You need to run. You got a base. And I was like, really? No, I'm kind of busy with daddy duty and everything. And he called me up. She called me up. Sorry. uh, My state senator called me up and she said, Jay, there's a seat open. Do you want to run for it? And I said, well, it was on the central committee. And I said, all right, you know, sure. And then the bigger seat came up and she was like, do you want to run for it? I was like, I told her no. I said, no, no, I'm fine. I saw a little bit and I didn't like it. And then, okay. and then that night I came and talked to my wife and I was like, you know what? It was just, it was itching at me. I mean, ESPN, we don't care where you live, what you want to do. We talked about living in Florida and everything. And then I was like, if I don't do this for the rest of my life, I'm going to say, what if? Like, I'm going watch people on TV and say, what if that could have been me? I, I don't mind running and losing. And you remember me from baseball. I, I'm a swing and strike three. I'm not going to look at it. So <laughs> if, if I, if I miss, okay. But if I win, what, what could happen for me? Could I make a difference? And, uh, yeah. And so and that was kind of my platform. I had a small business background, sports and athletics for big and, you know, education, trying to give everybody the same type of quality education. We had a uni became yeah. platform I ran on and, uh, we won, and we've been winning ever since. And uh, you know, uh, wow, what fourteen years now? So fourteen a, years, you've been a fourteen, 14 years. years. Yeah, and what 14 what years. district? It's House of Delegates. It's the House of Delegates in, in Maryland's twenty sixth district. So uh, yeah. right outside of DC, I'm right across the river from Virginia. Uh, you know, 
two minutes away from Washington, D.C. Yeah, so it's beautiful out there. We're growing. We're one of the fastest growing jurisdictions here in, uh, in the capital. Kudos to, to Monique. You know, she's now a county councilwoman. Mr. That's right. She's doing her thing. So Mazel tov like to said, Not bad from Crenshaw, right? Crenshaw and Pico. Yeah, from the Shaw all the <laughs> way here to D.C. Yeah. Skywalker, who knew? <laughs> and, and, and it was good because like I said, all my baseball boys, when I came back, you know, it was about that check. Had to raise some money, and y'all came through with the fundraising. So we uh, had to fundraise always, and always, always, we're always there. So I see the uh, leaves are turning there in uh, Maryland. The leaves are turning. It's fall time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about one of your side careers. You got a lot of side hustles, but you've been an ESPN sports analyst for quite a bit. Both yeah. college baseball, which is one of my favorite things to watch, because I was a college yeah. baseball player, and of course college football. So tell me how your life and how you balance. Uh, being a sports analyst, then coming home, being the delegate, being dad, being coach, being husband. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about that, the travel schedule, the how you switch from football to baseball season, some experiences about around that. I started off by, by knowing this, no matter how hard the work is, like I never take it for granted. Dan, I'm one of the few people uh, in the world, and you had one of them on here as well. We get paid to run our mouth. Like Kevin Millar and all that stuff, we get paid yeah. to run our mouth. We're not ditches we're not plowing stuff you know right. we're not show all these uh houses yeah. all these buildings stuff like that so with that laying bricks the work the work, <laughs> the work becomes easy you know i love what i do it keeps me close enough to the game so time management has been my key and i think uh that's it, huge when i was dealing with uh espn's like the football season college football season goes from september all the way through january 1 pretty much and maybe mm-hmm. january 6th in our role in Annapolis as a state delegate, I start January, the second Tuesday of January every year. So we're going to be there from January through April. And then college baseball picks up April, May, June. Yeah. So fortunately, wow. I run my mouth. Uh, I get to stay around sports. I get to see young guys that have the dream that we all had once upon a time in our life. And, and I get a two-month vacation where I do absolutely nothing. So uh, not bad. And that's when I really pick up the daddy duty. So time is the key, but... I don't take it for granted. I'm fortunate to be able to have a job where, you know, every week I get to see somebody that wish they could become an NFL quarterback or wish they could become a minor league baseball player. All uh, ESPN commentator. A lot of guys that want to become commentators. So sure, sure, fantastic. So now, Jay, what are you still on ESPN? Are you still doing it this year? Yeah, yeah. It's um, the HBCU football season has been pushed to the spring. Yeah, yeah, it's a little weird this I'm, time. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm going out of town tomorrow. So that's why I had to get the fade, Dan. It wasn't for yeah, you. Yeah, you did get a nice fade. You, I love that thing. <laughs> I've got Jay a, Walker's looking uh, handsome. I got so Georgia, Georgia State at Charlotte. And then uh, then I go to Florida, Florida Atlantic, stuff like that. So, yeah, we're yeah. back. So one of the key themes I like to talk about on the deal is it's – Balancing a big career and a big life with a family life, with being a dad, with being a husband, obviously it's hard to find balance because when you're doing all these things, they're all full-time gigs. So talk to me a little bit about that. Now your son uh, who's taken after you except playing lacrosse, they just won the national championship in lacrosse. So he's going to be a phenom. Uh, I noticed you kept him out of football, but tell me a little (laughs) bit about balance and being a dad and trying to balance that all with, a big career, big life, all the other things that come with it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what I've learned is that you can't be perfect. I try to be perfect, but you're not perfect. Uh, with my kids, they're three different personalities. There's no one size fits all. And yeah. 
you can't raise them all the same way. They're different personalities. And, you know, I've tried to just take my life experiences. I mean, you know, I, I tried, and I had this long talk with my daughters the other day. It's like, I think one of my faults I might've had uh, might've been, I was so influenced by sports and culture that I raised them as a coach, Got it. raised them as a coach. Like there were times I missed being the dad. And so they're like, you know, sometimes I didn't need you to judge me and critique, but I just need you to be dad. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I I started getting better at that once it went along, you know, then uh, with with my son, I'm raising him a little bit different. So you gotta, and I think coaching has changed. You think about sport and profession. I've talked to coaches and they're like, the days where a coach just jumps. They're like, no, those are gone. It's military style gone. Yeah. You got to love them up. And once you love them up and they know you love them, and you can say that in the workplace. Once your, your client knows that you care about them and that you got their best interest, then they'll listen to you and follow your direction. So yeah. I try to, you know, my, with my kids, I'm trying to love them up and then to get them to follow my direction. And in life, when I'm in uh, politics, when I'm campaigning, I want my district to know, hey, I, I care about you guys. It's all about you. And then if you all believe in me, then we can do good things together and grow. And uh, I think that's kind of the way the world needs to go. It's a different place. Can't talk down to people. Nobody's better than anybody. You know, with, with all the racial strife out there in the world now, you you got to be more accepting and understand uh, nobody's right. For sure. Well, you and Monique have certainly done something right. I mean, you would you have one daughter's in med school and another daughter's yeah. got a scholarship yeah. to play lacrosse, and your son is yeah. on his way. Because they're so picky. Let me get this right because they'll jump on you. So. Yeah, let's get it right. My oldest daughter played lacrosse at George Washington, and she's now a first-year medical student at Howard. Uh, my second daughter Incredible. is the captain of the debate team at North Carolina A&T down wow. in North Carolina. She's a junior. She'll probably go pre-law in business. And then uh, my son, is a, he'll be a freshman. He's the top five lacrosse player in the country, won the national championship. And he's a uh, – I try not to brag, but you know how my dad was. Kind of yeah. like my same. Like, oh, he's next. He's, he's next. next. I, I think he's Mark more than words, next. Becky, he's next. <laughs> I think he's going to raise the bar a little bit. How big is he now? Is he bigger than he's, you? Uh, he's yeah. He's fifteen. He's six three and a half, and he's two hundred and ten pounds now. And oh man, basketball too. So we'll we'll see where it goes. But yeah, that's got- amazing. That's amazing. Well, tell me some lessons you've learned. You know, you you've you've had a lot of life experience. Yeah. The world is a very yeah. delicate, complex place right now. There's so much racial tension. There's so much political tension. You're sort of right in the middle of the crossroads of all of that in culture, plus layering on sports, business, et cetera. So you're sort of like right at the crux of all of this. Give me some life lessons, some things you, you know now at your age that maybe you would have wished you would have known when you were starting out in your career. I know that you can go in any direction you want with this. Sure. And I'd really like to hear sort of your keys, some some core thoughts and things that you think about and lessons you've learned along the way. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. I think um, when, it, when it comes to sports and young athletes out there that want to make it, you got to believe in yourself. I mean, I remember going to football camp, offense, defense in California. Like yeah, why offense, defense. Why raise their hand. You remember that? For half the camp. And then out of you half the campers, rest of y'all put your hand down. And then the other half, and he kept reducing the numbers and reducing the numbers to where we got down to like two people with their hands up. And he was like, you two are going to be the only two that are going to go pro. You're going to be the only two that are going to go pro. And, you know, I get what he was trying to say. Yeah. At the time, you know, but I took it as, hey, he didn't say zero. Yeah, there's a chance. So what do I have to do to be one of the two? And that's yeah. what I've 
always tried to do. Try to be one of the two. You know, I tell everybody in high school, I mean, I was one of the top five players on my team. Was I number one, number two? Probably not. But I always was putting myself in a position to get that scholarship to be considered for a football scholarship. It came yeah. to football, I want to be considered. When it came to, you know, college, I was like, okay, I want to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country. So you got to believe in yourself and nobody's taking away hope. When you take away hope and you believe you're hopeless and bad things happen. Uh, I think in the in the world of what's going on society-wise today, it's like I, the millennials, I'm an old school brother, but you know, <laughs> they're, they're different. They're different, right? But here's something about them, though. They're not wrong, though, Danny. I mean, you got to think about it. We put on paper that everybody should have an opportunity for life, liberty, the American way, justice, you know. And when I grew up, it was like I knew I had to be. My dad used to always say, if you're going to play quarterback, Jay, and pardon his words, but you know how he was, he said, you got to be five times better than the white guy. Yeah. You got to be five times better. If you're going to go to law school and you want to get a a good job with a law firm, you got to be three times as good as the white guy that you're going against. Yeah. These millennials, you know what they're saying? That ain't fair. Right. Hey, and I'm like, wow. So the stuff that we put up with and dealing with, they're like, no, no, we're not dealing with that. We're not dealing with having to give somebody a higher salary because I'm black and they're white. Yeah. yeah. My hat goes off to them because my generation, we might have failed a little bit. We put up with a lot of stuff that maybe we shouldn't have. And I'll say they're not, they're not wrong. They're saying if this is the way it's supposed to be. Let's make it that way. And you may question the way they go about getting change, but I always say, just think about it. We've been doing a lot of wrong in this country for a long time and they're just not putting up with it anymore. Yeah, that's true. Well said. That is definitely true. Uh, what do you got coming up for the Walker family and the Walker business and everything else? What do we have? And, and let me, let me give you a shout out too, Dan. Oh, okay. Shout out, please. Yeah. You, you, you were ahead of your time. It's like, I, I grew up with a lot of folks and, I think out of my friends, you know, really, and we talk about the baseball guys, like most of their parents probably never grew up around black folks, really. You know, it was a little bit segregated. You know, we didn't segregate till the 60s and they went to high school, not a lot of them. But I mean, you were always like, you would take me, and I, here's a shot I'll give you. You, when you, you drove and I didn't have a car and you would take me to the house on Gramercy Place. Gramercy you know, Place, baby. You, you would do that. Get and, off at Arlington, uh, off the 10. Pack the shawl. Pack and, the shawl. It never made me feel bad about it. It may hit me up for a little gas money every now and then, <laughs> even though you know you have more money than I have. But still, but, but you were ahead of your time. I mean, like I say, going back to, you know, when you were in elementary school, it was like something about you and your family and the way that, you know, Jack and all your, your parents raised you. It's like it stood out. And I think there's, there's going to be a new generation. And maybe because, you know, Pop's a musician, so he's always cool. He, he hung yeah. around. That maybe that next generation that's grown up on the West grew up. And that's what I'm hoping, that they grew up, you know, like you, where the parents are more accepting, or brothers realize, oh, some of the brothers are real cool, regardless if they got here by bus or whatever, let's all get along with it. So you're, you're ahead of your time. Your parents did a good job with you. And I think that the oh, next generation, you'll see some more Danny Browns. I hope so. You know, I also think, yes, it's a lot of, a lot of it is nurture, nature, parents, and also it's just the environment. I mean, we, we grew up at a time where, uh, you know, back in the late seventies in elementary school where LA schools started busing. And I don't know, it just was normal. It was all we ever knew. No one told us that that wasn't normal to have 
kids from East LA and Crenshaw, Beverly Hills, and Persians <laughs> all together. We just didn't know that there was that. We thought that was normal. So you I know think crazy that's, that's part of it. We were just raised around it, and you know, our my parents, I'm sure, had a lot to do with it, their values and you know, being hey, children well, in the '60s and stuff. I'll tell you, what, like, when keeping it real goes wrong. You know, the change was good. What was not a good idea was making those kids that live in Holby Hills go to school with Sienega. Remember, they took them from Warner and like made them go to Sienega. I was like, yeah, I I could barely make it to Sienega. How are they gonna make it to Sienega? Right. Well, that you know what happened there. That's when my parents drove to Sienega. Uh uh, we're not going. We're going to private school in the valley. (laughs) They sent me to private school for two years, and then we went back to Warner. Yeah, yeah. The brothers don't want to go there. Why are you going to send a nice Jewish boy from the West Side there? Hey, you weren't alone. That's when the enrollment went up in Brentwood. Harvard, uh, Harvard School back then, Westlake yeah. School for Girls, Crossroads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny stuff. That's good L- L.A. history, man. We've been through it all. Well, anything yeah. else you want to share here, man? I mean, we could go on for hours. We've had so many fun stories and fun experiences together. But any experiences or any wisdom you want to share before we sign off? Oh, man, just uh, it, it's been great, man. Proud of you, you know, proud of uh, what you've done. Uh, in- oh, thank you. Proud of you. You keep me very entertained, man, and uh, it's kind of funny always hearing you get all the street cred and stuff like that. So, have you had a have you had Dave Jacobson on yet? You know, oh, that's a good idea. Y'all two folks were hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I should get Dave J on. Yeah, uh, he does not know. like he does not like press or social media. He's never been hey, on hey. Facebook. <laughs> can we tell him? Can we tell him how corny you used to be though? Because you, you're cool, Danny. So my little Danny Brown story was uh, remember we always take uh, we'd be after practice and. We get in the shower and we had those cold showers. And we oh, public school. I'm starting to feel a little breeze. A little breeze <laughs> with the towels that were like paper towels. <laughs> yeah, and crews would make a big shower. Like, that was terrible. LA, you uh, like showers were the worst. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, catching the breeze, <laughs> we were freezing. Catching the breeze, and then I remember I showed uh, the Long Beach State some some girls across the hall. They like saw a picture that I had of us hanging out, or whatever. Oh God, yes, I never get him up here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, I never thought Daddy was really a good looking dude, but they they called you. But I guess you were a hunker or something like that. So. I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> but I'll, now you I, better take it now, man. You know, we're old. that's all you got is your your memories and your legends. So that's it. You got to just keep keep up the memories. Well, Jay, awesome having you on the deal, man. Anytime, come back and be on. I look forward to seeing you. Send my love to Monique and the kids. Can't wait to see you guys. Let me do this one time. Yeah. What? Sorry? What? <laughs> All the way from the Shaw to Maryland, House of Delegates, ESPN, and the NFL. On the deal. Peace out, Jay. Talk to you soon, man. Hey, I got to thank Jay Walker again for hanging out and chopping it up with me. It's always a pleasure. One of my favorite people in the world, and I miss him. I haven't seen him over COVID. But uh, thanks. You can always tune in and catch more episodes at The Deal Pod on Instagram or thedealpod.com. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Please subscribe. Leave us a remark. Every remark counts. We're over, uh, we're, we're in like 47 states right now and also like over 50 countries. So we're doing well. Get the word out. Spread the word. Let your friends know. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Talk to you guys soon. This life for the next one. Watch me. I'm going to be the best.